We'll be uh, working through some of that text from 2 Kings 15 and also 2 Kings Chronicle, uh, also 2 Chronicles chapter 26, um, in part because we've been going through Kings for quite a while now, and I've had a lot of people say, hey, what about Chronicles? <laughs> so we're going to get into Chronicles a little bit too, and this one's for all of those that asked for that. So here you go. Um, a lot of these chapters in First and Second Kings and in Chronicles seem quite distant from us and pretty strange. It's hard to relate to some of the, the things going on there. Um, but there are some things that are, are very familiar to us as well. In following Jesus, we recognize there's a lot of uh, ups and downs, and that's what the book of Kings feels like. Up and down, up and down we go. Those ups and downs are due to often sin or unfaithfulness as well as to circumstances which are out of our control and hidden in God's will. There's seasons of zeal, tenderness towards the things of God, eagerness to follow, and those seasons are often met almost immediately with seasons of sloth or of disinterest, outright rebellion. So in reading First uh, and Second Kings, we, we resonate with the realities of these up and downs. We are warned as we read these stories, and we're encouraged, and I think above all, we're, we're humbled, and the, the point or the hope of that humility is that we might cling to Christ in all seasons. That seems to be the word from First and Second Kings, cling to Christ and His Word. So to that end, we'll seek His Word, we'll seek Him in prayer. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for Your Word, and I pray that as we look to You now, as we turn to Your Word, would You bless us, strengthen us, uphold us in Your grace, that we might serve You gladly all of our days. Draw near to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, 2 Kings 15 and, and 2 Chronicles 26 recounts the, the story of Azariah. He is a king in Judah. Azariah means God is my help. Now, these books are very confusing because this same king also goes by the name of Uzziah. So you're going to hear these names used interchangeably today, and I, I can't get around it because that's what the Bible does. It's going to be very confusing, but just to know, Azariah means God is my help, and Uzziah means God is my strength, but it's the same king in both 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. So we go to Chronicles to get a more complete picture of this king. And as we begin, there, the, the, a theme in most of the lives of the kings is that pride goes before the fall, right? They begin well, but then pride comes in. Now, you've probably seen this in life or even clips on YouTube where you've got this athlete who's so near the finish line, raising their hands in victory as the competitor passes her right at the finish line, right? Seen that? Yesterday we saw it again. We see this time and again where a defensive back intercepts a pass and runs it back to the end zone. And in his pride, he starts long, strutting it, and then he just drops the ball right before the goal line. Yeah, big fall. Pride goes before the fall. Now, these are only examples from sports. So really the consequences of that are not that big. Certainly not life and death for most of us, right? But we feel the sorrow as we see that pride, which leads to a fall of sorts. We feel the sorrow because it plays out countlessly, countless times in the lives of Israel throughout their history, but also in our own lives. We know what it is to have pride that leads to our fall. It's really how it all started for humanity. And Adam, he grasped after fruit in his pride that was not yet his to have. And that was a fall of global proportion. So it was at the Tower of Babel. Think of David's lustful pride 
and certainly every king who followed after David, there was a, a leprosy of pride that infected the whole of Israel's body, contaminating fiber, every fiber of their being. Okay, so that's a way of entry point into the life of Ahaziah. He's very representative of almost every king from Judah. So we start with 2 Kings 15, verses 1 and 2. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother name was, mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Uh, yesterday, or last week, we had a king who started reigning at the age of seven. And now a country thinks it's wise to put a 16-year-old in, in, in charge of a country. I don't know about the wisdom of that either. I wouldn't mind it for some 16-year-olds maybe. There's both encouragement and caution as we come to this text, though. Jechaliah, she's the queen, the mother of this Azariah. And her name means Yahweh perfects or Yahweh prevails. So we're going through 2 Kings. There's been corruption from the northern kingdom of Israel, which has invaded or infected the southern kingdom, the southern throne. But that's been cleaned up of, of, of sorts, of a way. And so there's hope that as her name means that Yahweh perfects or Yahweh prevails, there's, there's hope that now under these new kings there will be uh, Yahweh working, God working to perfect, to clean up, to prevail over the waywardness of His people and the threat of surrounding nations. But there's also warning here or caution here. Elisha has died back in chapter 13. And the school of prophets is really quiet from here on to the end of the book. And then it may not ring in our ears too much, but do you see who's reigning up north in Israel? It says that Azariah begins the 27th year of Jeroboam. Now, we've heard the name Jeroboam before in Israel's history. He was the king who had a conflict with Rehoboam. And it led to the division where there was ten tribes that went up north and Jeroboam led them. And there was South Judah, two tribes in the south of Judah then. Okay? But see, what happened was that, that, that king who became King Jeroboam, well, he patterned the way of Israel from the time of his reign to the end of their, or to their destruction then. Every, every king after him followed in the sins of Jeroboam, is what the text continually says, as he set up temples or idols to false gods in the north and in the south of his kingdom. All the kings following him embraced the high places that were established to worship God falsely. So we've got encouragement here. These first two verses, there's some positive things going on, but there's danger ahead as well. Verse 3 and following. And he, Azariah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed, made offerings on the high Places. God gave a lot of written rules about how to worship Him. But Israel was not satisfied with that, so they invented new ways to worship Him. They built illicit altars. They followed pagan ritual and worshiped God at these high places that were constructed in pride. And we will see that Azariah, throughout his reign, this king that we're talking about, he built towers throughout the land for defense. But he didn't attend the other towers or high places that were built for false worship. Those towers or high places which his forebears had built. It's as if the towers of 
Babel were left unchecked throughout the land. Azariah, it says in our text, he began well. But we read, if we were to read 26, okay, so he begins well. If we were to read the entirety of chapter 26, like 2 Kings doesn't give us a whole lot on Azariah's reign. Chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles says that Azariah was a builder of the nation. He served the Lord faithfully. He had great success militarily. He supported agricultural development. He became well-known throughout the East. He enjoyed a reign of Solomonic proportion, kingdom expansion, and security. That's the exact same thing that his father Amaziah was known for as he reigned as king. Azariah reigned or co-reigned with his father for a few decades, and Throughout their reign, both did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It's good. But then both drank deep from the chalice of hubris and pride. Okay, see, Azariah was made king during the, like the last few years of his father's reign. They were co-rulers. Why did that happen? Well, because dad, Amaziah, got pretty full of himself and pretty full of his accomplishments. And in all of his might and success, he decided to pick a fight with Israel's king who was named Joash at the time. But he loses that fight. He is taken from his land and then for a time. But then as they return, Joash with the king or former king, Judah is ravished. The temple riches are taken from them. Amaziah's reign just fizzles out as he is now a vassal to Israel. Judah puts Azariah on the throne. There are two royal bottoms on one throne. And like Michael Scott and Jim working together to lead the office, what could possibly go wrong with two kings in charge? Now, for those who hear these stories, not only of Azariah today, but the other kings of Judah and Israel, most likely the first audience would be those who were already taken from that land in exile. But it doesn't matter when throughout history people read and hear these stories. They're very instructive for a number of reasons. In these writings of First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, we have this underlying call to persevere in holding fast to your God. The kings often started so well, and often they failed to finish the race. And the prophets would call them back time and again, time and again, both people and king, Hold fast to your God. Hold fast to His Word. The prophet Jeremiah has an interesting chapter. A lot of his prophecies are acted out parables. And so God tells him to put on a loincloth. But he says, hey, don't get it wet, though. Don't soak it in water first. And you're like, okay, no problem. I don't like to wear wet clothes. And then he said that the reason for this is because that loincloth will not cling to you. In the same way that... Your people, God, my people, God's people, have not clung to God's word, have not clung to God himself. When you get out of a pool, those clothes are clinging, sometimes too closely. And here the illustration from Jeremiah is, you have not clung to me. It's the same kind of story that Jesus tells in the, the parable of the soils. Are you holding fast to his word? Is the word taking root in you? So there's, there's a call here to not just persevere part way or for a long time. It's to persevere, holding fast to God and His Word to the very end. And that requires a humble, humble person to hold fast to their God. There's also something in here about mentorship as well. Our king 
today, Azariah was mentored by a priest by the name of Zechariah, who led him throughout his early parts of his reign. In the same way, last week we looked at King Joash, and he was mentored by Jehoiada. And once Jehoiada dies, once Zechariah dies, the voice of wisdom ceases to, to, to counsel, to give wisdom to these kings. Then what happens? Rebellious overreach is sustained. A grasping after fruit not theirs is pursued. In every season of life, we too need mentors to guide us, those who are further down the road than we are. Are you seeking wisdom from those who are further down the road in walking with Christ and enduring the difficulties of life? Are you investing in those who are younger in the faith as well? So there's something here about a call to persevere, a call to be mentored and to mentor. Because as we start out here in this, Azariah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, ah, that's always in these texts about the kings. They started well, but nevertheless, flip over to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16. Nevertheless, when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was un faithful to the Lord his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Faithfulness of Azariah turns to corruption. The Mosaic law is clear. Only priests are to burn incense in the temple, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But why does Azariah go on and pursue burning incense here? Well, the text here tells us when he grew strong, he grew very proud. In his strength, he grew proud. It was pride of success that led to his fall. Amaziah, who was king before our king here and his father of the king, Azariah, he had grown proud as well, and he overreached militarily. He trusted in horse and chariot to achieve glory. But our king Azariah, or as he's called here, Uzziah, Uzziah grows proud and overreaches liturgically, seeks the role and seat of a priest, a glory not given to him. He seeks to approach God who is the consuming fire with an unauthorized fire. And Uzziah is confronted by another priest by the name of, wait for it, Azariah. A little confusing, right? King Azariah is now confronted by a priest by the name of Azariah. So now we see why Chronicles calls him Uzziah, okay? Uzziah is confronted by the priest Azariah, verse 17. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. They withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Earlier, Jehu, king of the north, he stationed 80 men around the temple of Baal in order to destroy any remnants of false worship. Here, the priest Azariah stations 80 priests of valor to prevent their king from false worship. And King Uzziah is angry, He's very angry, but he has a chance to repent, doesn't he? Here's the thing, Uzziah is doing wrong here, but God in His mercy gives a priest to call him out in his wrongdoing, provides opportunity to repent, to turn from his wickedness and pursue righteousness. 
Now, maybe, maybe Uzziah has neglected meditating on the, the law, and he didn't know he wasn't supposed to. Maybe, right? Probably not. Maybe he got a little overzealous in his worship of God. But wisdom has spoken. Truth has been revealed. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, we live in a society that loves to remember wrongs, records them for all to see. But the life of Jesus is one where we are to be rather quick to confess our faults and equally quick to forgive those who have wronged us. But as we see Uzziah here, why, why does he get angry? Why do we tend to strike out when we are hurt or offended as we're confronted in our own wrongdoing? Why are we so quick to find excuse, so quick to condemn others while neglecting to acknowledge our own sin and shortcoming? Is it possible that pride has rooted its overreaching tentacles into every ventricle of our heart? Are we too proud to confess that we don't, in fact, have it all together? Are we too proud to face the scrutiny of those who love us? Are we too proud at times to pursue a stinging rebuke from a loving friend or to embrace a constraint of a pricked conscience. Now, of course, Uzziah is angry. Have you read his resume? If you read 2 Chronicles, who has a right to tell him how to live his life? Who dare tell him what to do? Who prevents him from this noble act of worship? His, his ardent heart wants only to serve God to the fullest capacity. But God sends forth the priest Azariah as the Spirit's instrument to convict of sin. This is David's prophet Nathan. This is Ahab's prophet Elijah. But Uzziah does not respond in humility. In pride, he stiffens his neck and he butts heads with God's word. Verse 19 and following, then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest Leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. And behold, he was leprous in the forehead, and they rushed him out quickly. And he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. Leprosy of the head diseases the whole body. Now, remember, leprosy here is not a life-threatening disease. That's not what's at stake here. But what will happen is this king has leprosy, our text tells us, for the remainder of his life. And that means that it will, in effect, dethrone him. His son Jotham now has to reign as a co-ruler with him. And Azariah will become isolated from God and God's people for the remainder of his life. In some ways, it is a just punishment for his hard-headedness. Leprosy of the head is exactly the disease that infected the body of God's people. Generation after generation, the people or the head of Israel is described in ways that Azariah was described. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father so-and-so had done. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the high places were not taken down just a little leprosy on the head of Israel. But that leprosy infects the whole body. As the kings, as the head of Israel becomes leprous, so the entire body is diseased. 
As the head goes, so goes the body. As the king lives and dies, so live and die the people. And so it is for us who follow Christ, but our head has passed from death into life. We, His body, die in His death and are raised in Him for a life of walking in His grace. It is a fitting curse for a king who is the head of a people. And the curse is fitting in another way as well. See, God gives Azariah exactly what he's pursuing here. He's been ignoring God's word and seeking to ascend God's presence of his own strength. The king lived as if God were silent, and he's living now as if God is absent or of no account in his own life. And he refuses wisdom and counsel from the community. He seeks to live his own life apart from others, rejecting communion with God's people. So through this curse of leprosy, God exiles the king from his own presence. And he gives him till the end of his days sheer isolation. This is really a version of hell. If you're familiar with some of C.S. Lewis's writings, he talks about the great divorce He pictures what he calls the gray town, and in that gray town, there is an absence of light, an absence of God's presence, and there is an eternally distancing of one person from the other until you walk for thousands of years before you see anybody else. This is the curse of sin in the life of humanity, and how it plays out in King Uzziah's life finishes this way, verse 21. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper, he lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was king over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from the first to the last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote, and Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the king, for they said, he is a leper, and Jotham, his son, reigned in his place." It's interesting that Isaiah's prophetic career begins as Uzziah's reign is ending. Isaiah appoints a prosperous people. They're prospering during Uzziah's reign. But he points these prosperous people towards humility and repentance because destruction is not far off. And what we'll see here is that Azariah is in some ways a forerunner to a descendant who would also sit on David's throne a descendant of the King David who would also herald both warning and hope, who also would be recognized as a king, but he would be rejected by the priests and the people he came to save. This king would endure God's curse, though he himself was innocent. This king would be throned upon a cross. This king would be sentenced to complete isolation as well, abandoned by his closest friends at his hour of need, separated from God Himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this king as well would be buried outside the city of the kings, not even given the honor of burial with the heir to David's throne. The whole of what we read in the books of Kings and Chronicles, if you can sustain the reading through them, it just leaves us with a longing. There's almost a hopeless desire. God would raise somebody up a ruler who would reign in complete justice, in utter faithfulness, in might and in mercy. Humanity is a desperate race because sin 
has diseased every aspect of our existence. Leprosy of the head spreads to the body in its entirety, and we are left weary. As we come to the end of these readings, as we come to the end of our rope, we are left weary with our own failure. We're sickened by the continual failure of those who are put in authority over us. But we are not a people without hope because Jesus has come as King to rule over all. We are a people who grow in remembrance of God's Word and His way, trusting not in horses or chariots, nor in our own strength of will or ability. We are a people who grow quick to forget the wrongs of others, to forget our own failures as we rest in the grace of our Lord. We are a people who are eager to confess our faults, to repent our rebellion, because we will grasp after glory not ours to have, and we will fall and fail time and again. This story has Azariah dethroned. His son Jotham ascends the throne, but he too will be dethroned. He too will lie in a tomb, never to rise in this life again. It is not until Jesus, who is the true and final heir of David's throne, not until He ascends the right hand of God the Father, not until He ascends do we have a King who reigns at the right hand of the Father, who is seated on the throne of David, now and forevermore, to rule with the Spirit throughout the world. Now, Jesus is our Azariah, our true and better Uzziah. God is our help, and God is our strength. And in Jesus, we are commanded to go forth humbly in the grip of Christ, seeking ever to hold fast to Him as we serve His people and His world in His grace. To that end, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for Your Word. I pray that we would be a people humble, responsive to Your conviction of sin, a people eager to follow You wholeheartedly. And in our failures, Lord, would you make us a people quick to confess our faults and quick to forgive the faults of others. Lord, we are grateful for your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We bow humbly before him now in this hour. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.